Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 117 for Tuesday, May 30th, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks, and Welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians, a.k.a. Weekend Warriors. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. How you doing, Mr. Kent? Doing pretty good, Dave. I had a, had a good weekend, nice four-day weekend. How was your holiday? That's right. This was a holiday weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. That's bad that you are now reflecting on that. Yeah. Um... It, well, it it was good. I had, you know, last week, Paul, you said something. You said, uh, Dave, I played yeah, four gigs in 36 hours. And uh, and I never meant for that to become a competition, largely because I value your health and mine. <laughs> but I realized this weekend that I'm pretty sure I beat that. Uh, and, and that, again, I you know, I really don't want this to become a competition. <laughs> Um, but I played Skylar, my daughter's, uh, high school musical they did into the woods. So I was at that Sunday from Sunday onward. So a week ago, Sunday all the way through, and then it opened. So we had rehearsals every day and then it opened on Thursday night. So we had rehearsed, we had uh performances Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday, a matinee, and then an evening show, and then one on Sunday, just a matinee, which they always do so that the kids have time to uh, load out and then, you know, they can go to a cast party or whatever they want to do. And uh, so I had that. So that was already a lot of gigs. You know, even with that, there would have been three gigs in a, in a 30 hour period, right? Just between Friday, Saturday, Saturday. And then I agreed to do another madhouse gig, which was at midnight on Friday which also had a midnight rehearsal on Thursday. And, uh, and so I played four gigs in 30 hours in two different cities at two different drum sets. Um, and the Madhouse gig, I didn't really get the final song list and cuts until, I don't know, about 10 hours before the, our rehearsal on Thursday. So, you know, I was thinking about you because you, we talk a lot about that. You've kind of taken this left turn and that these theater gigs are something you do. You find some, you know, musical satisfaction from totally some chop chops development satisfaction from. But you know, I know you that you're a drummer first. You're a kid of rock and roll second, um, well, close second. Right. Um, and I, but I often want, and like I, I wonder about this when we're talking out to the broader audience. I mean, there's some people who are like, dude, I just want to play in my cover band. What is what is a guy playing in, in a theater gig? You know, why why is that of interest to me? Right. But but my question to you actually is knowing those two things. One, you are a drummer by trade, but a close second is given your druthers. There's music that moves you, right? Uh, and uh, and there's the concept of a t- playing on a team that we've discussed. Do you think you'll ever get tired of these of these theater gigs? It, um, it's, it, it was kind of like I did it nice. I, I saw I could do it. You know, I added some value. I, you know, I helped to make some shows happen, and I learned some stuff. Kept my my sight reading chops up. Yeah, but is that really what you want to do with your drumming time? That's an interesting thing. I've asked myself that question uh, because you know, in the month of May, which isn't yet over. Uh, I had three theater gigs, right? And, and that's a lot. 
they were all one weekend gigs, but still, you know, it was, um, I guess actually may, maybe it wasn't all in the month of May, but it certainly in like a six week period, I had like three of them, which was a lot. I did, I did a first date, which was the one at UNH and that, that's sort of the one that I knew I would do and it was fine. And then, uh, and then bitter pill came in and had a show, you know, right before that. And then of course this one showed up on the schedule. And and so I've 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 been reflecting on that very question and I, I am finding myself OK with declining um, some theater gigs that I have coming up. And really, it's coming down to exactly what you just said. Is it you know, is it a show that I'm going to enjoy playing into the woods? I would almost certainly never agree to do this show again. Now, you know, I know, I, I know never to say actually never because I know how things go, but, um, and I don't know that I would have agreed to do this show. In fact, I initially declined it, but, um, but you know, the music director said, well, when's the next time you're going to get to do a show with your daughter? And I thought, yeah, okay. And so from that standpoint, it was great. It was really cool to be able to be there in the moment, you know, not only through the performances, which was cool, but also the rehearsals, uh, but I wasn't there as like an, a pesty, you know, creepy in the way parent. And trust me, there were plenty of those. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I was there. Yeah. Oh, we could have a whole show about that. Um, <laughs> I'd probably get in trouble, but we'd have a whole show about it. You know who you are, people, if you're listening. Don't be that person anymore. Uh, but, you know, I just I got to be there and and I, I got to sort of be that fly on the wall once, you know, pretty much once like rehearsals in earnest started for sky, which was probably two weeks before the show. Um, I stayed out of it. You know, it's not my place to, to like get inside her head and, and give her even constructive criticism. It's like, that's not my, that it's not my job at that point. She's got a music director. She has a director. She has a, a choreographer. Like they need to shoulder that load. And she needs feedback from one person and one person only about each thing. And, and, you know, and you sort of have to, to let that go. But it was cool to be there and watch this process sort of happen. Um, and cool to have her doing her thing on stage while I'm doing mine, you know? So, uh, so from that standpoint, I really enjoyed this into the wood show, uh, and would, would again, for that reason, uh, likely do the school musical next year, but I would never want to, um, or I would, I would, I would, strongly consider uh any show that someone brings to me i i want to i'm going to sit and listen to the music first and make sure this is going to be fun to play because into the woods wasn't really all that fun it was challenging but most the hardest part about it was counting all the rests uh because sondheim's like got time signatures all over the place and they're weird and he's kind of a pompous ass in the way he writes music. Well, I mean, it just, he, I feel like he does some of this stuff for the sake of being challenging as opposed to the sake of being musical. And so it's, it's just, a, I don't know. It's just not my thing, but, um, but it, you know, so that, I mean, it was interesting and, and it certainly kept me on my toes, but, uh, but I would be far more inclined to say yes to a rock musical than I would, you know, something like this again. If that makes but sense, taking, but taking those weekends out of inventory to play with a rock band, you're hmm. you're still fine in the balance of that. Oh, totally. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoy the theater stuff and there's, you know, there's some real benefits to it because I, I'll go play four gigs and I only have to set up my drums once. Yeah. Uh, you know, would I do uh, and I've done them before, but would I do another three or four week run of a musical I, that that I've almost already sworn off um, because it because it's just so time consuming. And, and like yeah. you said, not only does it take the gigs, the, the weekends out of inventory for playing with. Uh, you know, with another band, it it takes them out of inventory for me doing anything with them. It you know, it becomes this sort of all encompassing, time consuming thing. And um, and I you know, I I don't do it for the money primarily. So, like a lot of guys, love a show that runs for five weeks because you learn it once, and then you get to go show up for work, and you've got steady work for you know whatever that period is. Uh, that's not the reason I do these. So uh, that's why I. Uh, get called for the one weekend long runs because those are the ones that kind of the career musicians take as a last resort because it only fills up your time for one weekend. So, yeah. yeah. So no, but I'd like them and I'll keep doing, I, I would, you know, I'll probably keep doing the UNH one in the fall and, and the spring, as long as those are remain enjoyable musically. And again, next year I'll probably do the, um, the school musical, which is probably going to be Greece, and that's a fun one uh, to do. I actually did that in high school. Uh, so, you know, but that's just straight ahead rock and roll. And it's just a, you know, guitar, bass, drums, keys, saxophone kind of thing. So I had um, our first outdoor gig of the year. Yep. And I want to talk about a couple of things that are interesting. So um, I took this gig. It's like one of the first outdoor big festivals um, I took this gig. We played second on a bill of four bands on Saturday. And I've been somewhat cautiously not taking gigs unless I think they're good gigs for us. And good, you know, has a couple of different lines. Good is, is it a good stage? Is it a good crowd? Is it a good time slot? Is it a good payday? Right. right. So there's a couple of sure. lines. And depending upon the situation, one of those could carry the day or it might need four of them to carry the day, that type of thing. So um, I took this gig and we were supposed to start at 1245. A band played before us, good band. Um, it was nice to see you know, a good classic rock band uh, opening the day. And I took that gig <clears throat> and more and more I've been you know, fighting for headliner gigs for us. And it's not an ego thing. Well, no, no, no. It's somewhat an ego thing. It's not completely an ego thing. Sure. But I do kind of think, you know, we draw a good crowd. <clears throat> we um, have spent a lot of time, effort, money on building, you know, uh, a thing. The show. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I kind of think that that, in general, we get those gigs. So why would I not take one? Well, here we go. It's May. You know, we didn't have too many gigs in May. It, this was what the offer was, you know, despite my request to think of us another way. Um, so we took the gig and a bunch of uh, strange emotions fly over me as, you know, one is when I get there, I regretted taking the gig. <laughs> I was like, you know, why did I do this? Why did I cave? Why did I give in? You know, just because we had a hole in our schedule mm. and, you know, you and I have a lot of conversations about, you know, what we like to do. And I guess, you know, the fair thing to do is to couch all this stuff in terms of those studs that are out there that are working musicians that put food on their table sure. by, by playing music. Right. And they, they are far less engaged often 
in those types of things. You know, if you're a journeyman musician, sideman musician, yep. you take you take the gig because paid time is better than non-paid time, right. all other things being equal, right? Right, so right, first, of course, yeah. Before I go any further, I just want to acknowledge that, that you and I have the luxury to say I'd rather do a theater gig for less money than this or, you know, all that type of stuff. Yep. So we, we should be very honest about that. But I get there and, you know, the band before us was good. Um, the band after us, we had a bigger following than the band after us. Sure. Um, um, and then the band at the end of the day was kind of a lark type of thing. The, the singer for the band who had the headline slot, he was a finalist on American Idol and he has, he's a local guy and he put a band together and you know, he's a great, obviously got that far in American Idol. Sure. Um, and he's a good rock singer and it was a good band. So, you know, I get that one. Which, Although, uh, which again, finalist was it? So that people that are listening know. James Durbin, and he has a local oh, yeah. man out of Santa Cruz called the Lost Boys. And, you know, he's, you he's a really good singer. So, sure. yeah. so I get that. Although on day two on Sunday, I think we have a bigger following than the, the, the band that had the, the headline slot on Sunday. So sure. I'm beating myself up and I'm thinking, why did I do this? Right. Because once you do that, you know, you're basically, you know, saying that that's a conversation that can happen. And I fully believe in the same thing that we had the conversation with pay is that once you it takes a little bit of guts and fortitude to elevate what you expect. But once you do that, something about the universe seems to push you into a place where those are the conversations that you have. Yep. So um, my, my net of this is, and, and again, uh, there was a, a, a local wireless company who streamed and recorded the gig. And if people go to the house rockers, Facebook page, you can actually see our show and oh, you know, cool. get a feel, you know, and, and we played really well. And the guy came up afterwards and he was like, Oh man, I forgot how great you guys are. And, you know, and the guy, guy who hired us and he was like, I really need to put you in a better slot next time. And I was like, it was immediately uh, after the gig. So I, I, agree. So I was like, yeah, I was like, that's about all I gave him was like, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, mostly I was just thinking about my own business decisions. You know, again, uh, you know, if there's anybody who's, who's, who doesn't rethink their decisions. I, I, I would call BS on that. I took the gig cause it was a hole in our schedule and it was, it was better than not playing. And it's a good, it's a good festival, but I, in the bigger sense, I should, you say always be performing. Yeah. I would add always be fighting for your band, right? Oh, always be yeah. fighting, fighting for the best situation for your band. And you don't, that doesn't mean you have to be contentious or a jerk. It just means if you believe you've done the work, you have the product, you have the show, you know, you, you're doing something that's worth being treated differently, you shouldn't settle for stuff. Well, and I think just, I, 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 would, I would replace your band in there with you. I mean, in this case, you're, you're representing your band, and so that, that makes sense. But I think that that advice uh, makes sense for even the journeyman musician, right? Like, make sure you're getting the best gig for you. And you know, if you have the good the goods to back up your t- your talk, right. you know, then you really deserve it. You have to believe it, and then well, it ain't it ain't bragging if you can back it up, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, that, and and that's that's a good motto to live by, right? Yeah. You know, if you've done the time and you've been in the in the woodshed, and you can bring it, then yeah. you know you should understand that you're by definition you're in a different realm than many of the people asking for the same thing as you, right? And then, like I said, there's something about the way the universe works that once you raise your expectations to say, you know, I belong here, I deserve to be here. Now, again, deserve is can be a, a tenuous thing, because if you can't back it up and you think you deserve it, you're just you're just wreaking havoc on the whole karmic process. But, right, right. But, well, um, <laughs> but that'll come out in the wash. I mean, <laughs> it, you, it doesn't last that long if you if you're all talking and you it's can't true. deliver. Yeah. 
shoot. But, um, you know, the band went on. Uh, the other thing I want to say about this gig is first outdoor gig of the year. And, you know, I, I've told you in the past, we don't do many festivals because typically they expect the other band to get off and our 10 piece band to get on stage set up yeah. sound checked in 15 minutes. No, I mean, a half hour is if they're all ready for us, if all mic stands and everything is set up, but really 45 minutes to an hour is about what it takes. And, you know, that's the other thing about these things is like we got on stage and then, you know, them just mapping, you know, the 26 inputs that we have, um, you know, getting any kind of like having a sound check in front of people like, come on, guys, get on, get going. Yeah. You know, that's that's I don't think that's good for our brand or any of these other types of things. So it's just a unique thing when you're this big a band, you know, you got all these you just got a lot of stuff that you got to check. And, you know, we have we have five or six monitor monitor mixes and so it just takes a while to get that and the first part of the show was difficult because it wasn't right because you know we finally had to go right we we're eating into our playtime right uh and then it settled in but i think the band played pretty well the, the guy you know the guy mixed in front of house did a really good job and we sounded good out front that's good but but we were a little bit you know dazed from the rush and the and the lack of clarity on stage with the sound um so again we don't do a lot of festivals um, I'm, I need to be pickier about, and I, I just need to enforce more that, you know, it's a 10 piece bands can take a certain amount of time and just stick to that and just let people deal with it. I mean, yeah, you might, you might want to tell festival organizers like, Hey, uh, you know, we, we need to be able to set up first, whether that means you play first or last. I mean, because there's ways to solve that problem, right? You, you can, you, if you were the headliner, you could set up your gear and then, you know, the 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 sound engineer sets a new scene in their in the board. And now the band that's going to play, you know, before you sets up in front of you or whatever, you know, whatever that is, that it can be done where you don't have people moving gear on and off the stage in this rushed scenario that makes it just really difficult to to set somebody up in something that closely resembles an optimal setup you know yeah. with with a multi-band thing you kind of have to forego perfection in terms of in terms of that i, I think I've, I've never experienced it right where you know but but you can get closer and there's things you can do to hedge your bets and, yeah. and you know I, I listed some of them here but it's and and sometimes you know you decide especially the larger bands the, you know like yours your 10 pieces it's one thing for a trio to be able to kind of, you know, cobble up on stage and, and quickly pull together what they need and then go. It's very different when you've got 10 people and every instrument is, you know, it's not just uh, it, it's not just guitars and drums. Right. It's well, you've it's got horns people, and it's yeah. five vocalists. It's five right. horns. It's and, you know, it's six or seven wireless devices that that's its own type of thing. So, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, tough. It just, it's, it's tough. tough. Yep. So that's why we tend to not do those shared bill gigs yeah. very often, um, and they're stressful. And um, but end of the day, you know, we played well as I would expect us to. Um, had a good set list. We kind of made some good audibles along the way, and uh, I would say, you know, we came out well. I think we impressed people. Got a few new fans out of it. Uh, um, you know, check us out on our Facebook page and just see what you think. You know, mix is not perfect. The vocals are not way up on top as they should be. But um, not bad for about 40 minutes of – and it's not even 40 minutes because the band before us had to get off stage. Right. So, you know, that, that's part of the time as well. It totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you are in that scenario, I, I will say this. 
if you if you are not the last band, as soon as you finish, you need to start getting your stuff off stage immediately. Yep. Not saying hi to the crowd, not signing T-shirts, not, you know, any of that. And you can be polite to those people that want you to sign their shirt. Say, hey, look, I need five minutes just to get my stuff off. Come meet me over there. I'm happy to chat with you. It's going to be a great time, you know, yep. but but you've got to get your stuff off that stage because otherwise not only do you screw the next band, but you kind of screw the organizers and they're going to notice that, too. For sure. So it, it hurts you. Plus, it's just not cool. Just not cool. Yeah. And cooperation is a big part of it. It has success. to be with it with yeah. a yeah, with a festival style kind of multi, you know, multi band bill. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been thinking about. 117 episodes that we've done together. And, okay. I, you know, as, you know, like I shared last time, you and I basically touched base five minutes before, you know, you got gigs, you know, and things you want to talk about. Let's just see where it goes. It's kind of the way these things are. And, you know, to remind everybody, the whole premise of this was that Paul and Dave would catch up by phone. Hey, how you doing? And one day we said, you know what? Someone else might have some interest in, in what we're talking about when it's band stuff. And hence a podcast was born. Right. And, uh, Good but thinking, thinking about, by the way. It worked at the time, for sure. Yeah. 117 episodes. What What have you learned most over our time doing this this little jaunt together? Oh, put me on the spot, huh? Uh-huh. Um, what have I learned most? Um, boy, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I, I know that talking about this stuff helps me crystallize what, I do. Right. So. So, I mean, there's there's been all kinds of things. I I think there's been some sound stuff that I've learned. There's been uh, some some personnel, some, you know, personality management stuff that that I've learned. Uh, Certainly some some chop stuff. I mean, I love talking about you know, that sort of thing. I learned how to properly count the, uh, the fill in the middle of uh, Jack and Diane, right. From, from the man who wrote it. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I, but I think it's just, you know, it's the, the weekly attention on this when I'm not playing. Right. I mean, the fact that we have this conversation every week and we have to sound at least reasonably intelligent, you know, and we can't just kind of sit around and say, Oh yeah, I had a couple of gigs and, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it is a little bit different than when we used to talk. Some of these conversations, like once we get we would get amped up, it would be like this. But now, you know, the the, the lights are on. Right. The, yeah. the the red lights on. So we're aware of the fact that you folks are listening. Uh, so talking about it intentionally every week, I think, has um, kept music and playing out and all of that very much top of mind for me. Even say during, you know, crazy times when I might not, you know, I might have a week or two where I'm off and and maybe I don't I wouldn't normally have stopped to think about some technical or or emotional aspect of playing in a band. But we do this. And so I do. Yeah. And and that top of mind thing, I think, is largely good for me. But um, my friend Mike, when I was posting about this, you know, that crazy kind of Friday, Saturday thing I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, Mike, the guitar player in Flame, commented on a Facebook post I made 
and said, uh, you know, I've been watching you for about 10 years, Dave, and and I think it's getting worse. And I've always done crazy things like I did. You know, I played a gig with Fling one morning, got on a plane, flew out to San Jose and played your birthday with you. Um, what was that? I don't know. Five years ago or something like that. Right. And that was crazy. Um, but, it's you know, he, Mike was commenting correctly that the frequency of the insanity seems to have increased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's in part because of this. Right. Yeah. We're constantly talking about it. So it's like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. And and so it, it allows me more material and all that stuff. So um, and it's not bad. I mean, this weekend was was a little intense, but um, but, you know, I like that. It's the frequency of the intensity, as we were saying earlier. You know, I got to I, I, I am actively managing that down a little bit or at least trying to. So how about you? What, what do you well, what, what have you learned? Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. Let me, okay. let me first kind of connect with what something sure. you said. So, so um, by the way, thank you for playing my 40th birthday. That was pretty cool of you. Yeah, um, of course, man. I would say I was reflect. I just did a calendar of mine, and I've got a, I've got a fairly busy June with all three things that I do. And um, again, first thing I go is I say, man, those people who are full time, you know provide their livelihood through music at I have ultimate respect about what it takes to do that and more respect every time I play. And, and the, kind of the same thing that you just said that was kind of called out, boy, it does sure get to a place where you feel like that's the competition. How many? Yeah. And that's bad. Right. <laughs> I think even if you're a professional, that's bad. I, you know, th- there's a certain amount where, I would imagine if if many is the metric and the, by definition, some of the many are not great, not fun, not, right. not rewarding, not good pay for the amount of time you've put into your profession, you know, whatever way you want to slice it. And, and so I'm actually reflecting on, boy, I'm really excited. I have a lot to do this summer, but I'm really kind of looking at each one. Like, would I do it if I didn't have to do it right here and right now? And so I'm kind of relooking my, you know, at myself looking in the mirror as a semi-professional musician and just saying, you know, the game is not about who can stick their chest out the furthest and say how many they have. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's not meant, it's not how many it really is. What, kind of like where I, I start to feel that pride and it's, it's a, like I said, it's a dangerous line is how crazy is it? What I'm doing right here? Like, like that Friday night thing, like, Oh sweet. I'll do a gig. I'll get in the car, drive to the theater, do a midnight show. Like that gets me excited and that's good. But you know, that'll kill me if I do it seven nights a week. Yeah. 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 So then the answer to your other question is what have I learned? 117 episodes in. So, um, the first level takeaway would be about this common empathy that we seem to tap into with other musicians. I mean, we've gotten notes from people in Australia, from people in England, from people in Latin America, all over the United States. And I guess, you know, it, it would probably take something extraordinary for someone to send uh, uh, you guys suck note, but we, well, we haven't gotten any. And mostly. You oh, know, it doesn't. Was, listen, I do other podcasts, man. It doesn't take. There's uh, nothing extraordinary to to record to 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 pull that in. Uh, it, all right, well, it, it'll happen. Just invited, you probably just invited a couple. It'll, so it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, like uh, there was a really nice guy. He said, you know, where and we heard this from the Coffus brothers, and I've heard it from a, co- a couple other people that that this is not bad. Uh, you know, when you when you're driving post gig or between long hauls and and yeah. 
you, you know, that this is, uh, and I, I think the reason is, is that this is stuff that is kind of universal, right? Right. Who am I as a musician? What the heck am I doing here? Am I any good at my craft? Am I getting better at my craft? Am I doing anything that matters to anybody? Does that matter? Or should I just play for myself? All these kind of like large questions are really interesting to see how there's a, there's a commonality. And I guess that's part of the thing. And, that, and so that's, that's the thing is that, you know, this premise that we had that you and I had to make us pick up the phone, and just kind of touch base as friends that that the these questions are being asked by musicians everywhere and that's kind of a cool thing i've certainly you know picked up some technical tips i love um like when we've had these great interviews even though and i think a lot about the robert berry interview because you know obviously you're talking about kenny aronoff and you're talking about a guy who has been with the gods you know right, a, a, right. a large part of his life you talk about jan hammer you got a guy who is a god his you know right. basically his entire performing life but robert was always really interesting to me because you know robert was a one a story of a local guy very good yep. who made a band succeed and you know while that band local band didn't become the thing it thought everyone thought it would be it created a path for him, and that path was really interesting. But at the end of the day, Robert's a guy in my neighborhood, yep. and I see him in a restaurant, and we talk, and he asks how the band's going, and I ask how his band's going. And so, you know, the thing is— I've gotten more comments about the Robert Berry interview, I think, than any of the other ones that, that, right? that we've done. For exactly that reason, he, it's a, he's more relatable. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, how, how many people do we have listening that could foresee themselves in the shoes of Jan Hammer? Like there's one, right? (laughs) You know, and the same with Kenny, right? I mean, we, you know, we correctly identified the fact that he's just like us, except he plays better, except he plays with better, better gigs, like way better gigs. But, you know, that's that, that disconnect of, okay, yeah, I'm going to play you know, for some birthday party this weekend and it's going to be a good gig. It's our first gig with, with a, I'm going to keep pulling up the name of the band wrong uptown uh, celebration. Right. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's a, well, it's a good paying gig and all that great stuff, but it's nothing compared to what Kenny does. And it's hard to imagine that, but Robert's story again, I mean, it's certainly unique and, and, reflective of his talents and his passion and his drive and all of that. But it's one of those things where you're like, Hey, I could see that path. Like maybe not for me now, but there's, was a time when I felt like that path could have happened. And and that's interesting. So it makes it relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the unique things about what we do. You know, it's like, uh, you, Relatable is the best word, right? You know, whether it's a, a little festival in Morgan Hill, California, or, you know, a, a big show, you know, with John Mellencamp. Right. At the end of the day, we're doing the same kinds of things. And sometimes it's a, you know, the Grand Canyon is between the two things, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes yeah. it's really very similar. And that's that's actually part of the fun of it all is actually, you know, me playing little pink houses and Mellencamp playing little pink houses. Sometimes that can seem like two totally different worlds, but sometimes it feels like it could be, you know, same uh, thing. That's a path. That's a reality. And so I would say that the things that I've enjoyed the most is I love the, the, I I like the gear conversations. Those are interesting. I love the song conversations. I learned so much. Yeah. You know, about thinking about songs, remembering good songs to play, 
um, some we did a we, we I think we did a show on um, opening songs, and some some guy said he does that Nathaniel Radcliffe song uh, SOB yeah. as an opening. I was like, oh, what a great! Why didn't I ever think about that? I love when those light bulbs go on. When we talk about stuff because so just hearing what people are doing out in the world, um, you know, to make their group unique. I, I love those conversations where it kind of extracts. I think the most useful thing we've shared is that if you're a four piece classic rock band, you've got a lot of competition. So what are you doing differently? Yeah. You know, it's not like, well, they haven't seen my fastball yet. It's like, you know, literally, <laughs> how are you going to, how are you going to differentiate yourself? Those have been really good conversations with good feedback. So, yeah. but in the big sense, it's more about this kind of global empathy that we're all out there just trying to put some art into the world. It may not be as high art as original music, but it's still our art and that it's still it still matters to a lot of people brings makes people happy is certainly self-satisfying it, you know it's it's a good thing to do so that's that's kind of my takeaway of 117 consecutive what have we only missed one week two weeks i think i think one or two at most not bad yeah no right? that's not bad yeah 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 so so you know we dive into you know specifics here or generics there but overall i i always think that there's somebody out there who's enjoying it because they can relate. They could be literally be a third person on the phone with us at any time. Yeah, right. That's right. Well, and that's the point. And, and I feel like we've actually done a very good job of that, even with those people that are, you know, in a whole other class musically and career wise. They uh, seem to appreciate it, right? Yeah, they, they're like, oh, that was easy. You guys are just like like hanging out with with other musicians. It's like, well, well it's not like we're press people trying to find, you know, exactly. ask we're the not, gotcha question or anything like that. Now, and I always tell people when we're, you know, when we're especially somebody that, that's, you know, that doesn't know us. Like when I was bringing Kenny on, it was like, hey, look, just so you know, this is gig gab. It's it's just that conversation that happens. Like you said, after by, backstage, between sets, on the bus, whatever it is. It doesn't need to be some shocking revelation. We're not the National Enquirer. You know, we're just looking to have a conversation. It doesn't need to be the big reveal. It's all good. You know, so we're not Barbara Walters here. Yeah. (laughs) Closely connected to that shared empathy is the shared therapy. I find it actually very cathartic. You know, like you and I, we talked about this, right? Our band members listen to this and our fans listen to this. So, you know, we try to be as transparent as we can, but there's just some things that wouldn't be productive for us to just lay out there in this format, right? However, (laughs) I think we're both, you know, pretty... um, We're We're pretty transparent on it. Pretty transparent. And so we may not go there on some things, but, um, but just the ability to kind of talk through some things or, you know, talk in the abstract about some things, I find incredibly helpful. I mean, I, I, I say this. Music is, this is a Springsteen line. <clears throat> it's the most important thing you can do at any one time. And it's also the most frivolous thing you can be doing at the same time. Totally. And keeping those two things in mind is a hard, is a hard thing. Not to take yourself too seriously. Always have fun, but be good at it and take it seriously enough to be good at it. But, you know, managing bandmates, managing booking guys, managing club owners, this is exhausting stuff. That, that is, it is the necessary part in order to have the chance to do what we do, it's not the fun part. Right. And, um, and having this forum to kind of like put stuff out there, hear from other people, get some validation. I find that therapeutic aspect really, really valuable. Oh, it's yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it is right. Yeah. You get to process things through probably faster than I would if I didn't do this show with you every week, you know, yeah. because there's some things where it's like, Oh, I got to think about, 
it, you know, things happen at the gig or whatever, and you got to process it. And sometimes it takes, it takes a while. It might take a month, but talking about it here, man, it comes right out. It unravels and you're like, Oh, that was what it was. Okay, great. No problem. Yeah. All good. <laughs> yeah, man. Good stuff. I, uh, I look forward to the next 117. Me too. Good. All right. Well, folks, that's, uh, that's a wrap for this week. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Go to giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook. Send us email feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Always be performing. Always be respectful. What was it you said before, Paul? I don't know, but always be it. Always be it. Be that thing. Be that thing, but don't be that guy. Not that guy. 